Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another edition of the wrap up live from Victoria where we, me and Aiden, are just got out of Raptors day two of Raptors training camp practices. And we're here to talk about it. And we're also here to answer your questions. So if you have any questions, put them in the comments and we'll try to get them at the end of the episode. Um, I can feel your energy going like like slowly ramping up. I'm trying. I am trying. I'm a little bit stuffy, hence the, the sound, but mm-hmm. I'm fighting. I'm a fighter, so... Yeah, we uh, today we got to talk to Nick Nurse again, Freddie Van Vliet, Chris Boucher, and Precious Achua. Um, what were your What were some of your first impressions with how it went? It, was, it felt shorter. It felt really brief. Yeah, I think each of them were a bit shorter than yesterday, um, and we didn't get to see a whole lot on the court, unfortunately, today, which would have been nice to see some more of that stuff but impressions i don't know i think i think boucher is a good quote i think precious is a good quote Precious is a great quote yeah he's fred is obviously a really good quote fred fred's great he's just very serious precious like he plays to the crowd he's got that smirk yeah he's giggly he came on and asked the cameras if he looks good which is like small potatoes but compared to like other guys you just like walk on with this or other guys the people i've experienced thus far He's a lot less serious. Yeah. Yeah. And he said at the end, he was like, that's it. That was so quick. Yeah. He wanted more. He wanted more. I, that's probably, I guess, over the years, you kind of. Yeah. Get, get sick of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to kind of talk about the starting lineup question. Because okay. I thought that was maybe the most interesting part of the presser, just in terms of like, I think everyone was waiting for someone to ask Nick about who he was going to start this season. And I also thought that his answer was probably going to be like, we're going to start the same five and see how it goes. But this was Nick's answer. And he kind of, he looked around like he always does when he asks, get asked a question that he doesn't like. Yeah. I was, I was saying Oran on the drive back. Like he's like this, like uh, snarky pirate. He kind of like squints in one eye and like, looks around at everybody like this this asshole is asking this question kind of thing yeah anyways he said no nah, you know what my thoughts are i think a lot of guys i think there are a lot of guys that can start i think we've spent a lot of time talking about it i think the health situation dictates a lot of it that none of us can control right i think it changes on its own and evolves and i think they have we have a lot of guys ready to start I feel like that's just, again, the modern NBA. There's more than four guys that could, five guys that could start a game. So PR rhetoric doctor, what do you, what's your diagnosis on that kind of vague statement? Yeah, it is. 
I kind of thought he'd learned his lesson when it comes to like evolving starting lineups because he he came in like with this thing where it was like I'm gonna evolve one day it'll be Surge one day it'll be Mark and then that like always towards the end of the season like just became like Mark in that it, like he always went in with a really evolve like loose I'm a loose yeah, chill it depends guy depends on the matchups yeah and then he always settled on five so. I thought he learned from that and was going to be more of like, a, yeah, we're going to find our starting five. And yeah, I thought he was going to say, we're going to start with the same five and see if it works or whatever. Um, this question was in relation to Precious. It was like, could you see Precious being in that starting lineup? And he definitely didn't say no. So I'm encouraged. <laughs> That's what you could take away. Like what, what wasn't said. Um, and it, like, shout out to Eric Kareem for asking. Cause we were also saying like, it takes a little bit of like gusto to ask that question because it's like I feel like that's probably the one everyone wants to know and the one that they don't want to necessarily answer. But yeah, like you said, they could have he Nick Nurse like a stock answer. Basically, what you have to read into is why wasn't the stock answer chosen? And I guess the stock answer would have been we're gonna run it back like we did last year and then we'll play it from there and see see what's going on. But but he left that open ended, which like kind of you know, begs the question of what that open-endedness could look like. And I think you're right. It's probably going to be precious um, because of the way he played towards the end of the year and in the playoff series, even though I don't necessarily agree with that. Yeah. Let's talk about like potential dark horse starters. But before we talk about that, I just want to say like, he kind of, maybe this is just PR because he has to kind of say that in order to keep guys motivated because if he just says we're going to have the same starters then guys aren't really motivated mm -hmm. to try to get into that start so he's keeping it open-ended and maybe it's nothing more than talk and like that's all it is maybe it's meaningful we'll see i guess in the preseason but yeah who would be I, I mean, I feel like you do want Precious to start. I don't. You don't. Who do you want to start? Well, we talked about this yesterday a little bit. Like, I, I want Thad. Want I want Thad, Thad or I want nominal Birch minutes. Wow. Big Birch guy over here. No, I'm not. I think Birch is kind of is probably going to be buried. Although, I <laughs> I was watching him on the side hoop, and he was killing both right-hand, left-hand, <laughs> six-foot floaters. Just killing them. So, it's He's good. ambidextrous. Is he? Yeah. yeah. Is he? Yeah. So good for him for working on it, and that, that's where he's going to succeed if he does get playing time. But I, I just, like I said, I think I think this is less about matchups and more about touch distribution. And, right, right. and like, if we want guys like OG, well, first of all, we want Pascal and Freddie to be the dominant, like, touch guys. Then Scotty and OG in that, like, second tier – and for them to do that, the fifth guy needs to not be a guy who wants touches himself, uh, i.e. Gary or Precious. So if you bring in Thad, who said in the presser yesterday, like, I, like you know, I'll just do what I got to do for the team. I'm Like, I'm chill playing 12 minutes. Like, I, I'll fill whatever role is needed. Mm -hmm. That's, I feel like th that kind of attitude is what we want in the fifth spot. And then a let Precious <clears throat> and Gary do their thing in – coming off the bench with Boucher, the three of them. I think that makes sense offensively, but defensively, I don't really think Thad is the guy you want in there because you're going to have to guard a lot of big centers, and Thad can't really do that on his own. And I also don't think he's the best guy when it comes to, like, 
the one thing that the starting five does have with them is like a lot of quickness. And so Mm -hmm. they're theoretically like well-suited to double guys and then go run out to the perimeter and kind of defend that way. And I think if you put that in there, that's just like a slow body to play that kind of style. Why can't he guard bigs other than the pick and roll? Like why can't he? Well, he can't guard like Embiid as well as Precious can, I don't think. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, I guess, like, the thing also is that is starting all that relevant. And, like, the thing is, is that you see a lot of guys in the league who start, but it's a nominal amount of minutes. JaVale McGee is going to start. Like, it's – it, but that is because and, – and, like, you know, ask Christian Wood. He's not so happy about it. But the same kind of concept applies to Precious, where it's, like, you want a guy who can gobble up touches on his own in Christian Wood. You let McGee play those five, six minutes, sweat it out with the big – tussle around and then and then sit him and he's probably gonna do the same thing in the second half and then that's it and i think you could do the same thing with camera thad yeah yeah i mean starter starter like i've seen km talking about starter minutes starting does not mean starter minutes like they're especially if we're going to be rolling nine to ten deep right like you could have multiple subs coming in and out you probably will yeah um should we move on you have nothing else to say? On the starting thing? I've convinced you. No. Oh, oh yeah, I do have something else to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess I, I'm team start precious. Um, one is just like in the short term, I like the idea of having a big out there who can... I think he allows you to play a style that's a little less hectic and tiresome over the course of a game because theoretically... You know, he might not be great at it, but he's probably better at it than most guys. It's like he can play some drop defense, not always play such an erratic style of defense to start games and, and kind of work your way there as a the game goes on. And I think Precious would be one of the best options when it comes to just doing that and, and also not requiring as many double teams in the post against Biggs just because he's so strong. So I guess in the short term, I just think I'd like to get it big in there and, and get Gary to kind of come firing off the bench. And especially if he's going to hit threes, I'm not as worried about the spacing. Precious? Yeah, which is a big question. But I mean, that can hit those threes, baby. Sure. But, but one, one, one thing, though, is like, I don't think that's the optimum lineup, just to be clear with that. I'm, no, I, know, I agree yeah. with you in that sense. Like, yeah. I think closing Precious is going to be the way defensively all day. And I'm okay with limiting Precious's role on offense when it comes to, like, all you're going to do is hit pick-and-pop threes or you're going to roll to the rim. Like, we're not going to feed you. You know, like... Yeah, he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to do what? He doesn't want to be pick-and-pop rim guy. Uh, Yeah, but he's in his second year. Like, he doesn't deserve to get... Yeah, but with the Raptors, like, he doesn't deserve to get, like, the you know, OG ball on ball touches. I agree, okay. but from the bench he would, right? Because it's like, who's yeah, but I don't want him to. I don't want him. Why to. not? Because I, I'm okay with putting him in a small role, get him to actually get good at catching the ball on the roll and finishing at the rim. And then you can only expand your game once you're good at already doing those things. Well, I guess, and we talked about this too, like the, the like, the give and take of development versus winning. And I think putting Precious in a in a position where he's probably not as comfortable as just being a pick and pop rim roller, but having to create a little bit off the bench, kind of like 
balances the two where you're allowing him to explore his game while also like limiting the like the consequences of of that if it goes awry yeah i guess my my main reason though for precious starting is a more long-term outlook and it's like the same reason we started barnes last year like there was a lot of times where barnes got cooked on the perimeter and whatever but you you look at barnes and you say he's the future you need to get him high leverage minutes against starters and that's going to pay off in the playoffs and i feel similarly about precious like I want him getting high leverage minutes against the best centers in the league because as we saw against Philadelphia, I think he is the best suited guy on this team to guard those centers. He did a pretty good job against Embiid, all things considered. And I think if if there's no changes made to this team and we do match up against Embiid or Giannis, Precious is the guy who has to take those matchups. And so I just want to get him the most minutes against starting caliber, like, defensively more than anything um because i just think it'll pay off in the future yeah i agree i i yeah and also with having scotty in the starting lineup i feel like there's a lot of overlap between him and precious like in yeah anyway i don't want to beat a dead horse um okay let's talk about chris boucher's quote we'll move on to another quote about from from today uh Boucher was asked about Pascal. Was this my question? Yes. Okay, I asked him about Pascal. I was more so wondering, like, as a leader, what he's kind of, uh, how he's kind of changed in the offseason because they spent so much time at Rico Hines runs together, and that's really, like, Pascal's thing. So I was curious about that. But he kind of talked more on the court about Pascal, and he said, he basically said he he sees Pascal being similar to the way he played in the finals when he could score against with Kawhi. With Kawhi, he said when Pascal was scoring anything anywhere, that's how I see him right now. Obviously, he's more mature, he's older, and all that. He can score from anywhere. His confidence is there. His swagger is there. So it really looks good. Obviously, he's been working hard this summer. And then the main thing he said was that I think he got all the tools to be in the MVP conversation. Let's go. Let's go. What's the, did someone, I think S tweeted the odds. It's like 20, 25,001 or something. something I'd put a dollar on that. Why not? No, it can't be that much, but uh, I'll look it up. But yeah, Pascal MVP, dark horse. What, What do you think? I, uh, I think I think the makings are there. Yeah, there's a world. There is a world. But I don't think Toronto's good. Like, the thing is, is to to win the MVP the way Jokic did, which is have, like, a team who's, like, upper middle of the pack. Like, let's assume Toronto's a five to seven seed, right? Mm-hmm. For, for someone to win MVP at that level, he'd have to be averaging, like, 28 10 and 10 and i don't i don't know he's not doing that i don't know that he's that much of a playmaker to be like at that level you know what he actually might be in terms of a playmaker if they put the ball in his hand that much but they're not going to put the ball in his hand that much and also his teammates unless the shooting dramatically improves he's his teammates just aren't hitting enough of the shots he's giving them to average 10 assists right right yeah no, I don't think that's the world. I think the world is that the Raptors are a surprise two seed. Mm. And he's the, the obvious best player. Yeah, but I think if they're a surprise two seed, that's because three or four guys are are 
are breaking out all at the same time. In which case that might like limit, yeah. like kind of like a Phoenix situation. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's it's that like they're a surprise two seed and it's similar to last season where him and Fred are just carrying them a lot of the year. But you're right. I think I, I think you're right, but I don't think that necessarily negates his chances because like the guys who would break out are not like all stars or anything. They're not like known around the uh, league. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like if Precious I mean, has Freddy a really good year. Yeah. But he's not a breakout guy. I just think like the the depth is still ultimately depth. And like if it's past if it's similar to the way last season operated, where Pascal was so clearly the best player and the guy with the most touches, there's a world he's a top five MVP guy if he puts up 25, 7, and 7. If he's top five, that means it's Giannis. Durant, Curry, Jokic, Embiid, Embiid, and you're assuming Luca. Yeah, there's a lot of Luca, Kawhi. If he comes, like I, I just don't think he's ever going to reach that level. I, I like. It's not to say he can't, but he hasn't necessarily. He hasn't demonstrated that he is that much of a vortex. Like he's that much of a of a problem at the offensive end. He's really, really good. I don't get me wrong, but I like. It'd be hard for me. It'd be hard to imagine him talking about him in the same way we talk about Luca. I agree, honestly. I I don't see him becoming that because if he's a top five player, then the Raptors are a legitimate championship. Mm-hmm. So so he's obviously a, a lot of ways away from that, or else they would be closer to championship contenders. Right. right now. And and we we've already seen in the media that they're not talking about them like they're a championship team. Yeah. Like Nurse said that, I think Masai said that. Yeah, like Masai was like, I don't think they're a championship yeah. team this season. Yeah, which like that'd be a classic underplay if you. But you know, I wouldn't put it past Masai for some subterfuge. But yeah, I I just uh, I mean I like that they're talking about him in that way because again, like we established that Pascal was the guy last year, but now it's like it's set in stone, which is kind of nice going into the season. If we know everybody's behind Pascal being the guy and then it just kind of tears out from there. And that's, I think that's like important to have for like, for the, um, the hierarchy. Yeah. And, and like the composition of the team and how things operate. And like, you know, when Kyle was there, you looked to Kyle to settle things or like to get a bucket when you needed to, not to say he was the best player on the team, but like you knew that's what he was there for. And, we didn't have that initially last year until like Pascal really asserted himself. And now we know going into this year that that's what it's going to be about. And I think to me, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And and then the other thing that just reminded me of that I wanted to talk about is like, do you think this team is better built around Pascal than it ever has been? Cause this is kind of his third year of being the number one option. Is it his fourth? No, this is his, no, because the year after they won a championship and Kawhi left, he was the number one option. But barely, like, there was a lot of guys who could score. Yeah, I think it was maybe Kyle. by, like a, like, a major, like, a minority majority kind of thing. Yeah, that's why I barely count that year. I barely count the Tampa year for obvious reasons. So, really, like, his second yeah, real year? Yeah, I would call it his second year. Yeah. I would call it his first legitimate year because last year he was injured and it was like, this is yeah. Freddie and Pascal's team. And it still is in like the sense of leadership, 
but this is Pascal's team. Yeah, so I guess, do you think it's better built around his strengths and weaknesses to negate the weaknesses and improve, like, the strengths? Like, is this team well built around Pascal as a number one? I actually don't think so. Why? Because, to me, the problem is, and it's a good problem, is that you have Scotty and you have, I think OG is a really good guy. Like, I think OG and Freddie pair quite well with him. But having, like, guys like Scotty and Precious, who um, are are well especially scotty i don't think ne- no necessarily works like i optimally i would say like i don't think scotty's the best guy to put around pascal necessarily mostly because he can't shoot mm-hmm. um he's not as much as like a i guess i don't know it's hard to say now I don't, i'm trying well, to think about what would be the ideal system around pascal exactly it's like on one hand i do think this is the best it's ever been built around pascal in, at least in the past three years like there's yeah, no that doubt I agree. that that's yeah so they are putting things in place um but but that's the interesting thing okay i think like spacing is obvious you need to put spacing around pascal because he's just such an interior presence and such a good passer that as we saw in the philadelphia series if guys like precious and scotty were not being guarded on the perimeter and yeah. so the paint was really tight for pascal yeah. Um, so spacing has to be a priority. The reason I do like the Barnes fit, like they worked really well together, is because they're both really good interior passers. And those are the best buckets, are, are the ones you can get at the rim. And those two guys like just found ways of finding each other under the basket in tight spaces. Um, but at the same time, you're right. Like, I don't know if you can play all three of them at the same time with Precious also in there and have a great half-court offense. I think that's the problem is, like, I don't look at any of the other four guys yet, and they're, like, a a legitimate half-court threat. And if Scotty does become more of that over the course of this year, then it will make more sense. But Yeah, that's why it's interesting to me that the Raptors have doubled down on, like, playmaking and size. They don't go and sign shooters for the most part. Otto is an exception, a welcomed one, Otto. Where does Pascal... Like, what team would you drop Pascal in right now and he would be, the, like, in an ideal fit? Yeah, I guess, like, I'll think about just, like, what he needs beside him. He needs a five who can protect the rim. Because as good of, a like, a secondary rim protection he is, he's not the guy who's going to defend Embiid yeah. or, or defend the pick and roll really at a high level. So I think you need, like, a big burly center um and that center doesn't necessarily need to shoot threes but they do have to be like a a don't, smart offensive don't say miles turner player no no no. <laughs> no i'm thinking like i think I, you know what's funny is i've always thought about philadelphia and like the Embiid. fit between Embiid and him would be like would a be pretty, seamless fit but but the problem like the thing is everybody would be a seamless fit with Embiid. i feel like for the most part right i guess it's just like philly's always been looking for that power forward Right, and I've always thought like Pascal would be amazing there. I get this is really getting off topic, but I kind of like him in Washington. Washington sucks. Him, him, and Beal and Porzingis would be a pretty cool three. It's just like Washington's so far away from contention. I'm not thinking about those types of teams. Well, put Pascal on the team, maybe there. Yeah. Anyway, um, maybe we should. No, but yeah, like no, I don't know though. What what is the best way to build around him is like a fascinating. No, I think you're right. I think like a 
a guard who can create on their own and then a bunch of shooting and a, a rebounding big. If yeah. you're, you're going to go more traditional. A versatile rebounding big. Yeah, that's why I, th- I think, like, Precious's development is so important is because, like, he needs to find better ways to 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 be useful in a half court offense with Pascal, especially when he's not hitting threes. Like, what is he doing in that offense? Last season, not good things, but yeah. like could make a big difference if if he's doing good things because the defense we know is like a great fit. You know, that's another thing: a switchable guy, like a switchable five who you can now switch that pick and roll. I really like that fit too. Luca and Pascal, we are hearing in the comments. Okay. The people have been asking about Coloco. We haven't we didn't get to see much of him. I saw him shooting uh, around on a side basket. Yeah, I feel like we talked about Coloco on other episodes though. Like well I'm not like, expecting him to play. No, but just like did you like any thoughts on it? Like do you Uh-oh. see anything in training camp? Oh and we didn't. And I don't think he's gonna play much. Yeah, like he feels like a guy who's starting the year in the 905. And if he surpasses expectations there, he could definitely play at some point in the year if there's injuries or, or anything like that. If they trade Kem, like Kem well, is a contract I definitely see being traded. And then you want another backup big. That's what I was going to say is like, as long as Kem's there, I don't think Loco's necessarily going to get the minutes over him. Yeah. Just because you've paid Birch, you kind of have to play him. And Birch is like significantly better at this yeah. point in his career. Well, I think we undersell like Birch really disappointed last year, but I think like there was a point in time where Birch was like a huge like plus uh, for the team in in, ter- in terms of like net net rating. So yeah. there is like he does bring value to the team just in certain situations. Um, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about uh, Flynn talk? Yeah. No, again, okay. we don't have to. No, like you, you highlighted a comment that was like, "How come Gary has never talked about Malachi is also rarely talked yeah. about?" Yeah, it's like on one hand, I think it is the media line of questioning. Like we don't care about these guys as much <laughs> as like we care about Pascal. I mean, I, yeah, that's true. But the other part is that they don't it come does up. come off. It, it does become obvious if you really pay attention to these pressers, like who the favorites are. And like who is on the front of Nurse's mind? Yeah, and I don't think it is Malachi or, or Gary. Yeah, get, personally, the the Malachi one makes sense. It's like you don't really want to talk about him too much because he's still like he has had confidence issues. He still is young. You don't really, as a coach, I don't think you really want to expose him overly much, right? Like you just want to let him do his thing. Gary's a little bit more curious, I think. Like you think someone like Gary who did grow a lot last year. You you think Nurse would be focused on like filling his boots? Yeah, you know? the same with like the starting question. He could have said like, "Yeah, Gary, right. Gary's starting." I don't know. Like, is that a subconscious bias? Is that like right. it's just like core like like coincidence that we're not? I don't know. Look, I think you know. I wanted to bring up this quote from Fred too, which was basically like they asked him what the team needs to improve on this season, and he said like. I only think about the playoffs and he said there were some coverages that we didn't execute in terms of the personnel we had out there. That can mean a lot of different things. I think it definitely means the way they defended Embiid 
they only did it well in like two games. Fred's it, calling out Masai. No, I, I think in terms of the personnel, I'm not saying Fred is saying this. I'm saying this, but like the way that Gary was picked on in that series, he is not the type of player that like this team lusts over. Pretty obviously, just in terms of size and yeah. two way ability and all that stuff. So and and like single dimensionality yes. on the offensive end. Yes. Exactly. So he, if he wants to be here long term, he's going to have to improve as a passer and as a defender. And that's why I think this trade deadline is going to be fascinating. I think everyone assumes the Raptors are pretty, you know, Masai talks at a big game, like we're going to grow together as a, as a program. We're young. We, however, Gary is on the final year of a contract. Well, he's a player option this year, right? Right. Let's assume it's the final year because the money is going up and like, he has every reason to decline it and sign a new deal. Yeah. Do they, do you see them like shopping him at the deadline? Say they're like in fifth place in the East, same place they were last year. Do you see like, yeah, do you see a potential looking for a better fit? Like we just talked about around Pascal. I don't think Toronto is going to trade somebody because they're worried about losing them for nothing in the off season. Like, they should. I mean, they did they, it with Kyle. That's true. So, like, there are ways to there work are. around it. No, that's a good point. <laughs> Sign and trades have become increasingly popular. And I think if they're competitive and there's not an obvious, like, the problem, like, the thing with Norman was that, like, Norman was older. I think there, um, there was probably less like interest in him, especially like because he was going to be, I don't know. I think there was less interested in Norm. I think they traded him because they, they didn't think they were losing that much, I guess, with getting Gary in return. I don't know. I, I well, I think Norm but, had had his chances, his fair share of chances. But, to but, they, but why did they trade him at the deadline and, and not hold on to him? Well, I mean, I, that's actually the difference between a Kyle and a, and a JTJ. Like there is different levels of like, desire around the league and and stuff where I think like you're gonna have more of a market with a guy like Kyle Lowry. You saw Dallas empty their New their Orleans too. Money. Yeah, New Orleans like clear out money for Kyle Lowry. I don't think teams are as desperate to get Gary in there. So it might be harder to do an offseason. True. But I, I guess my point was just that like you I think they're willing to figure that out in the summertime. And like get something for him in a sign and trade. And then if, cause if they're going to compete and they're going to need him if they want to compete, unless they can actually upgrade off of him in the moment. And then if you can, you might be paying more to do that than they're willing to do, right? Like they might be more in a selling mode with Gary in the summertime than in a buying mode at the trade deadline, if that makes sense. It does. But I wonder if we, we were just talking about the fit around Pascal and we're talking about touches on the offensive end. Gary is a guy who needs the ball in his hand. Like, yeah. he is a great uh, catch and shoot guy, but he's not, that's not been his game in the NBA and he's not a great defender. So I wonder if you trade Gary for a more prototypical three and D guy. I know, but the thing is, okay, so like imagine he tr- you trade Gary for like, KCP and like a second round pick or something, right? It's no, like you gotta go for more upside than that. Well, I was actually thinking like Michael Porter Jr. Not that I that's not a traditional three and D. Not the D, <laughs> but the the three. I mean, would, offensively, I like the fit. Well, everybody would like it, the fit with him offensively, but yeah. I think 
if you're talking three and D, like, but he's bigger at least. He's not going to get picked on in the same way that Gary did. In the, well, in KCP, uh, look, okay, find me somebody that you're talking about. KCP is just like not a high enough level thing that I would want to. The talent. Well, you get picks or something, right? Like, you're, yeah, the idea is you're losing fine. Gary. Yeah. Anyway, assuming it's something like that, I think this team is in a world of trouble because, like, yeah, we get shooting, but now we have nobody who can create in the offense. And we talked about this last, yesterday, like, and I wrote about this the other day, like, G- G- yeah, Gary is a horrible passer. He's actually one of the worst assist percentage guys in the league, just straight up for the amount of usage he gets. But he's one of our best creation scorers that we he have. Is, he is. And, like, until you can tell me that there's somebody stepping into that role, and it might be Scotty this year, it might be Freddie now. I think it's OG, healthy. too. It could I be think OG. it's a bit of Precious. And so, like, it'll remain to be seen. But as of right now, he's number two in creation behind Pascal, really. He is, but it's court. a chicken and the egg scenario where if you trade a, a JTJ, you're probably taking a step back right now, but you're giving these other guys room to grow into those roles offensively. And Well, that's why you bring him off the bench. Yeah. I guess. That's like, true. That, that, that is I, – because I agree with you. That's true. But I don't know that you need to trade him without someone else proving that they're, like – they're going to step into what we're missing because Gary's yeah. skill set is quite elite now. Or well, at least a lead on this team. At least, yeah, yeah. Well, at least what he's demonstrated demonstrated the latter part of last year, like he had, he had multiple. What was it? Like six games in a row with thirty points or something. There's a few guys in the league that can legitimately do that. So yeah, and I'm also not even saying to trade him necessarily. I want to just see a step this year because. Like, A, he was injured or sick in those playoffs, so it's not completely fair to pick on him. But, like, I want to see, did he get stronger? Is he better able to guard those kind of players? And is his playmaking taking a step? Because if he is the exact same player, I do not see him or that same player fitting on the championship version of this Raptors. Like, I just don't see, I just don't see it. But, hey, that's just me. Yeah, I I think his defense can get better just by virtue of him not being so hyper aggressive as he was. Like I think he can get smarter positionally, and that will make him less of a liability. Yeah, but still, the on ball defense is like he should be able to guard Harden ish. Harden's a tough guard. I'm not gonna lie. Like yeah, totally. It's not a fair guy to be like you should. But I'm saying you should be able to put him in front of him and at least like like we got yeah just ravaged. Yeah, with those two guys, like we couldn't. And Gary was also the guy who. It's a Norman Powell situation too. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who messed up the switch on the Embiid fadeaway three that that won that them a, game three, and that, that was, was the series. One. And that was ultimately Gary just being a step slow defensively. And even if strength comes along, sometimes AKA Norman Powell, the IQ does not come along uh, that that you want. Powell. I'm not going to speak that ill of Powell, but it he did have kind of like a space outy thing going on. I don't think Gary has that. I think it's just like Gary's 23. You know, like he just doesn't have yeah, the, he like, experience. Last year he was like, I'm proving myself as a defender. And I respect that. Like he really did embrace that part of his game. And like for a while there, him and Fred were terrorizing teams with the deflections and yeah. steals and everything. And so now like I think <laughs> – his natural evolution as like as he becomes more comfortable in his role and gets more experience and like learns from 
like his peers and the coaches, like I think he's going to become a better defensive player just with that like experience. This yeah. is really his first year as a as an actual starter. It was his first year as a starter. Last year, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lastly on Gary, just this point I forgot to mention, I want to see him take those lanes to the basket because they, he often has a lane created by a screen or whatever it is, and then he so just bad. pulls up. And I want to see him actually get to the rim because Lord knows the Raptors need it. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Jeff Downton? Oh, I wasn't watching. So. so they were playing music real loud in the gym, and I couldn't hear most of what Freddie was saying, so I just zoned out. And uh, first of all, Dalton was running pick and rolls with uh, Boucher for quite a while, which was kind of fun. Uh, and then and on the pick and rolls, Boucher was doing a little like dribble combo, doing his own thing. So that was nice to see. And then Dalton was just shooting afterwards and zipping everything. And like Samson was saying in his preview with like training camp, like, I mean, it goes without saying that if one of these guys is going to, is going to make the roster, they have to prove that they're a consistent three point shooter. And Dalton's like weakness right now, I'd say is his frame and his, his inconsistency from three. So it was just nice to see. Like he, I think he probably hit 14 of like 18 or something that I saw. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't know who the, the big white old dude is the, one of the coaches. Maybe he's a shooting coach. I've never seen him before. But he's bellowing. Yeah, 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 bellowing yeah. after every shot. Let's go. That guy, I think, was pretty great. Yeah. Uh, TSN.ca speculation. Masai got mad at TSN.ca for, uh, for the report that the Raptors are keeping a close eye on Shea just and Alexander. Do you want to explain what that is about? Uh, I don't want to get too into it, but just you basically, no, yeah, basically a quote was taken out of context. And the context was that, you know, if you go for a guy like Durant or Donovan Mitchell, you lose out on your opportunity in the future to go out on a... To monitor. No, to, to put all your picks in for a star player. And, and Josh Lewenberg at TSN wrote that, you know, SGA is a guy who the, the Raptors are monitoring in a situation like that. And his quote got taken out of context. And uh, we were just having fun because Masai had a comment or two about... To Josh. About it, yeah. But the thing is, is that, like, I mean, it's an, it's aggregators. We don't have to even talk about aggregators. Who cares? But, like, we were, we were saying, like, I don't really get why Masai would be upset. It's like... Yeah. Everybody's monitoring everybody. Like I would expect Bobby and Masai to be monitoring like what DeAndre Jordan's up to. Not because I think they're like trying to acquire DeAndre Jordan, but like your their job in this league is to know exactly where every player is at and what what they're up to. Like that's just that's because you're trying to find arbitrage, you're trying to find yeah. leverage wherever you can find it. No, you're right. Everybody's monitoring SGA. But that's actually probably a tell in the sense that, like, for most players, he probably wouldn't get mad, but he probably actually oh, yeah. wants SGA. Well, that's ironic, too. That so it? so it's kind of like a tell on yourself where it's like, don't put that out yeah, there. Yeah, don't like, get Of upset. course I want him, but... Play it cool. Yeah, play it cool. Yeah. I don't want to be in the news for it. Um, and, and also, I mean, last point, like, I think... Like, we all know what aggregators do now, right? So, like, for it to get out there, it's, like, like we should all know better. Wow. To, oh, hold on, I got goose over here honking. 
But yeah, anyway. Anyway. It, it was pretty hot on Twitter th- today, but it's just kind of funny. Uh, you want to get into questions or do you have anything else? Yeah, yeah. You start some? I start some questions. Kologo talk, we kind of did, right? We, ha- we have none. Did you guys see Kologo? Um, I feel like we answered a lot of these questions. Now. What did you use when he's resting? I said OG yesterday. What's your sub pattern? It's kind of the same question, isn't it? No, I think that's actually a good question in terms of like which of the big, what do we want to call it? A big five, big four. Which of the big four would you stagger and pair? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think about this when I was suggesting Gary come off the bench. Lewis has written about this for Sports Night. Like it changes every year, these which matchups work and which don't. Last year they did Fred and Pascal quite a bit, which obviously worked really well. And then the other units didn't work as well. But that's kind of bold to keep your two best players together. I, I I would, I guess, just based on what Nick was saying about valuing the, the on-ball defense and the pick and roll, I would separate OG Fred and, and OG. Yeah, I agree with and, that. And then, so then I guess you're doing OG with Pascal and Fred with Scotty. Or the opposite. Well, no, no, I think Pascal and Scotty are really good. Fred yeah. and OG. That's how I would do it. Well, the, Fred and OG. You're, are you leaving two on? Or are you Because there's four coming on. What do you mean there's four coming on? Well, there's Gary, Precious, Otto, uh, Let's Boucher. leave Gary out of this. Off the bench. No, I'm just saying, like, for the big four, obviously there's going to be guys playing with them. But in terms of the big four, how would you stagger the big four? But, uh, yeah. Um... Well, that's what I was saying is that I feel like I would leave Scotty on, mm-hmm. let Gary and the other three guys come on. So now you have Scotty, Gary, Boucher, Precious, Porter. Yeah. And then just that's a one starter lineup. That's not going to play big minutes, I feel like. Well, if you have Gary, you essentially have two starters. Sorry, yeah, I keep disrespecting Gary. Yeah, I mean, we even though Nurse isn't going to talk about Gary, yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about Gary. He is a starter. You're right. I'm that, and then and then you bring those other three on together. O, OG Friday. I don't think those minute those guys can survive long. Like I get what you're saying, and that can work in spurts. But one starter and it being two starters and it being the worst two, I don't think can survive big minutes. What Scotty's the worst? Scotty and Gary. Yeah, I think OG's better than Scotty right now. Yeah, okay. I've said that. Yeah, it's, it's up for debate. They're close for sure, but I just think, yeah, I would do Fred and OG and Pascal and Scotty in terms of like breaking up the big four. No, not Fred and OG. Why not? Because you just said you want to split up OG and Fred oh, yeah. on point. So what did I just say? Oh yeah, so Fred and Pascal or Fred and Scotty. Fred and Pascal, or Fred and Scotty. <laughs> yeah, this is tough. I know. It's tough. We don't have an answer. We'll come back to that one. Yeah. We have tomorrow. Do you see Scotty and Fred starting at any time? Okay. Thoughts on Otto's... I don't know. I think, I think Otto's going to play a very similar role that he played in Golden State. Like, he's going to be that seventh, eighth guy. There's going to be times where, like, if we're playing a smaller team, he might start if we just want extra shooting. 
um, like they did with him, I think, in the finals against Boston. They started him. Yeah. So, or Dallas, maybe. So, like, they're, you know, I think, but I think his ideal fit is, like, 15 to 17 minutes. Yeah. Maybe a game. And shooting eight threes. Yeah, he's not going to have a ball in his hand, like. I, I just think he's going to be a spot-up guy. He's going to be a cutter, and he's going to be a rebounder. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. He'll, like, guard, like, the third best guy I'm opposing him, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see how him and Thad play together because, like, we talked about Precious and Boucher being pretty good switchable guys. Otto and Thad, probably not quite as good, just in terms of the lateral movement. No. So can they switch everything in those lineups? Like, I'll be curious to see if that works. Again, this is why I want Thad to start. I think Thad and Otto is like, you're getting a little slow. Yeah, together, yeah. No, I kind of agree. It, it It's not their identity to be that slow and that like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I, that That's a good question, but I think – I think the nice thing about Otto is the versatility. Yeah, and you could put him in place of Gary. You get a little bit bigger on the starting lineup. But I I just think just that there's a lot of talent and some speed. Yeah, and I think like if you're gonna bring Gary off the bench, it'd be nice to have some other shooters around with him. Like you want you want as much offense around Gary as you can, I think. Yeah. I don't know. All right, well, I think that's pretty good. Forty five minutes. Uh, I didn't see any other questions that we didn't get to. Do you work for the Raptors? No. <laughs> is there a bench mob this season? I think that's kind of what I was getting at with with Scotty as the one guy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Scotty and Gary, kind of. So it's not really a bench mob because there's two starters. No, I, Gary's coming off the bench. Oh, right, right, right. In our world. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it for us. I think we're running out of steam. Um, thanks for tuning in. We will be back tomorrow later. The media time is at three Pacific, so six Eastern. So we'll probably be on seven. Or we might eight. not even be on because there's uh, a shindig afterwards. Yeah, we'll try and be like on. an hour. Or we'll tweet. We'll tweet if we're on. I think we should be. There's like a couple hours in between. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, tweet at any one of us if you, like, have things we want to maybe bring up, I don't know, at the media session, right? Like, we have our own questions we want to ask, but if we can tie in with curiosities you have, we could. Or just, like... I'm not guaranteeing it. Yeah, I'm probably not going to ask questions that people <laughs> ask for, but, but I, I mean, I'll mean, look around at people exactly. wondering, like, how tall is this person? True. Shit like that. Yeah, that's true, too. Swore. All right. I said asshole. Okay. Explicit. That's it for us. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Keep an eye out for our stuff. Peace.